0: the message this morning. We are continuing our sermon series called Every Battle on Worship. Felt like it was a fitting time with the album coming out to talk about worship, to grow in our knowledge of what worship is, and see what the Bible says about worship. And we'll, we'll talk about the power of worship, some misconceptions of worship, um, maybe even dive a little into my history. If you didn't know, I come from a worship pastor background. But life is a battle, and your weapon is worship. Just like that song said, my weapons are praise and thanksgiving. We weren't born to struggle in life, but we were born to fight. It's a fight to live righteously before God. We have to battle to keep our faith going. And the way that we fight is through worship. And so last week we talked about the story of Jehoshaphat and Judah. And they had an actual, literal battle. Okay, We we talked about worship is a sign of trust. We choose to trust God and worship Him, even when we don't know what the outcome is going to be. And worship is also a decision to surrender. Remember, spiritual power does not flow through powerful people, but through surrendered ones. And lastly, only worship does surrender actually turn to victory. Worship is a song of victory. Praise and worship is our weapon against the powers of darkness. And today we're going to move on. We're going to go from the Old Testament. We're going to move into the New Testament. And we're going to look at the woman who poured out her worship to Jesus. The title for this morning's message is Poured Out. Poured Out. Typically when we say that, we're referring to um, expressing emotions. We're freely opening up. We're, maybe it's the context of a romantic relationship. Of Someone confessed their love. They poured out their heart to somebody poured out. We're going to read the story of the woman who poured out to Jesus. We're reading chapter of Mark, book of Mark, chapter 14, starting in verse 3. Let's read these seven verses together. It says, and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment, a pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus, somebody say, but Jesus. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. And Simon, this is not one of the disciples. If you notice, Mark calls him Simon the leper. How do you like that for a nickname? Not something you want to be called, right? But often the Bible uses nicknames along with it. It's very possible that Jesus has healed Simon before. And that might be why Simon is throwing a party for him. He definitely doesn't have leprosy at this moment, okay? Because no one would have showed up to that party. It's like if you called up someone today, hey, what, what you got going on this weekend? Oh, not too much. Hey, I'm throwing a party this weekend. You want to come? Sure, I don't have any plans. Great, I do have COVID. Is that a problem? Or are you OK to come over? Uh, let's reschedule. Maybe another week, two or three weeks, quarantine. You know, uh, I don't want to go over to John the COVIDic's house, right? That's just not where you want to go. Um, but I want to take a note that Simon, Simon at this moment, he was accustomed to being an outcast, because they, at one moment he had leprosy. If you know what that means, it means you were cast out from society. You were out of the city. But he probably never dreamed that he'd be able to be around people again, let alone through a party. But through Jesus, through Jesus, his dreams came back to life. Jesus is the one that makes dreams come back to life. That's not a point of my message. That's free, but let's keep going. It says, so Jesus, he goes to this party. And I love that it says specifically he's reclining at the table. So check out what that means. That means this is not just any normal party. This is a fancy place. This is a fancy restaurant. You're not at eating at Applebee's today. You're eating at Benihana or, or Brio or whatever fancy restaurant. And nothing against Applebee's if you like Applebee's, but it's a little bit different of a setup. Okay? Jesus is propped up in a lazy boy about to eat. His head is facing the table. But don't worry, his body and his legs are facing away from the table because you don't want your legs by the, you don't want your feet by the food, right? That's that's nasty. But that's how they would eat in a, in a very fancy situation back in those days. And then this woman comes up, and she finds Jesus, and she goes to his feet, and she pours out this offering. It says this ointment called nard. Now I'm I'm weird when I think nard, I just automatically think of the office. I think Andy the nard dog, but nard is something specific. It's a plant that can only be found in the mountains of northern India. It says it's very costly, right? Mark says that it's very costly. And this perfume is so costly that it would be valued at a minimum, at a minimum of a year's salary. And it could be something as expensive as, it could be considered a family heirloom. Imagine that, your years of salary working an entire year for something this valuable or, or keeping something in the family, passing it down from generation to generation and then to choose to use it on Jesus. This is worship. Mary, she, she didn't sing a song to Jesus. She wasn't kneeling at his feet singing Waymaker to him, but she was worshiping him by bringing, by bringing him what cost her the first point today pour out what costs you pour out what costs you we talked briefly about that last week right worship is supposed to cost you something worship without cost is worship without impact bring to god what costs you 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 know what costs you a lot to bring to god your time you've heard the phrase time is money right it takes time to worship god and be with him. It takes time to get your family ready, get them in the car, and bring them here on a Sunday morning. Anyone want to say amen to that? It takes time to get your family in the car. It takes time at the beginning of your day, or maybe the end of your day, to sit at the feet of Jesus, and talk to him, and worship him. But worship's supposed to cost you something. Pour out what cost you as an offering to worship. And, and I love our worship team, don't you? If you're Can you give it up for our worship team, what they do? It costs them. It costs them time during the week to practice. Sometimes it costs them a week of uh, practice outside of Sunday morning. It costs them to get here early at 8 a.m. to practice for you. It costs them to prepare and be ready to lead us in worship. Think about others, other things that it might cost you. In a practical sense, it might cost you your preference in worship music. Now, I, I think our music choices are pretty good. I mean, I, I like to think that the Radiant Life worship album is pretty good, but everyone's got their own preferences, right? Everyone's got an opinion about music. In fact, if I can be honest, there's not every single song that we play up here that I'm in love with, but it's not about what my favorite songs are. And we have a running joke with Emma and Dalton and Alexa. Some of us joke back and forth on what songs someone picks. in, Like, oh, I don't like that song. I don't want to sing that song. You know, Alexa's favorite song might not be Emma's favorite song. But should our level of worship to God be determined by our preferences? If there's a song that we don't love, does that mean it has no redeeming qualities and, and we should just fold our arms and sit down until that song ends? No, of course not. In fact, I think it would be incredibly honoring and honest to say to God, you know, God, I don't love this song, but I do love you. And I'm going to praise you through this song. Pour out what costs you before the Lord. Let's look back at the passage this morning. Let's look at verse 3 specifically. It says that she broke the flask and poured it over his head. Poured it over his head. The second point this morning is pour out lavishly. Pour out lavishly. It says that she broke the flask. So the fragrance was preserved by sealing it in the alabaster. But, but once it's broken, then that freshness could, could be lost. And the contents, they had to be used quickly for that. So this woman, also I should mention this woman, I, I said it before, her name is Mary. This is Mary Magdalene in the story, and her story is actually captured in Matthew, Mark, and John. When I was looking at it, I didn't realize there's a story in Luke, but it's a different story. There's another story of a woman pouring out to God. But this woman, Mary, she breaks the alabaster, uses it all on Jesus. Mark says that she poured it on his head. And then John's John's gospel says that she poured it on his feet. So, what does that tell me? That tells me that Mary poured it all on Jesus, from head to toe. Pour it all out. Pour it lavishly on Jesus. Don't don't hold back. Don't don't be shy in our worship. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be loud and you have to be boisterous or disruptive. People worship in different ways, right? There's no specific right way or wrong way, and we can't judge each other's hearts. Who can determine what's going on in the inside of a person during worship? I've seen authentic worship in all kinds of different ways. I've seen people that were loud in worship, full of expression, people that were probably, the people are probably thinking, what what is going on over there? Why are they dancing? Why are their hands going all over the place? Why do they feel the need to make such a noise? But I've known people like that, that have made a noise, and I, I know their backstory. I know stories where they've, were abused as a child, had a terrible upbringing, but God brought them through that, and now all they can do, they can't help but be loud and thankful in their praise to God. There was another woman in Dublin that, uh, when I would lead worship, she would sit near the front. And I'm going to be honest, there there are some people in worship that you kind of zoom in on that are really focused and really going at, and as a worship leader, you're like, okay, I can lead you in worship, we can worship God together, this is good. But then there are other people that you kind of Keep your eyes away from. Because they're sitting there with a blank expression. Uh, maybe mouth the words occasionally. Uh, maybe have their arms folded. And you just you don't want to look at them because it's deflating to you, right? They're different people. So, so there's this lady in Dublin. And she would sit up at the front. And sometimes she would mouth the words. Sometimes she wouldn't. And she would always have her sunglasses on. And my ignorant self... I, I was being judgmental. I was like, wow, that is so disrespectful. I can't believe she'd come in here during our worship time and, and not care and just keep her sunglasses on. But I didn't realize at the time that she left her sunglasses on so that no one would see her crying during worship. She would be so moved by God and just wanting to worship God that she would be crying behind those sunglasses. And she used them as a shield so that no one would see her. She's no one would see her vulnerability. However, you choose to worship, would you do so lavishly? Would you not be afraid to worship? There's an insecurity about worship. Did you know that? Something the enemy tries to do during worship. The enemy will say, Why why are you raising your hand? You look ridiculous doing that. Everybody's looking at you. No one's looking at you. Okay? If you raise your hand. No, no one cares. No one is batting an eye if you lift your hand in worship. Why are you singing so loud? If some other people could hear you. Don't let people. Nobody cares how you sing. I, I mean, if you have a mic in your hand, you should probably have the ability to sing right up here. But if you're down there, there's grace for us, right? No one's expecting you to be on the voice. There's not judgment here. In this house, I promise you, there is no judgment then we are not measuring each other how we worship God. I mean, the point is not to attract attention to yourself, right? But don't let the enemy tell you 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 can't be comfortable in worship. My favorite thing as a worship leader was to watch people in the room become week after week more comfortable in their praise to God. I remember in a a small church before Radiant Life leading worship, and I was watching this, this one guy week after week become more comfortable in his time of worship. And we know there there's different motions that we do in worship, right? Let me show you some of the stages, okay? The first one, yeah, you know what's coming. First one is called the ninja, okay? This is, I don't want anybody to see me, so I'm going to lower it right here. You know, just a little side-eyed, make sure no one's watching. Somebody looks, I put it back in my pocket, you know, just real fast. It's like, I'm just chilling. (laughs) I'm not worshiping. Not going to show my hands, but maybe I'm like just slowly up a little bit. Then there's the pound cake. You're holding a, a cake here. So it's like, I'll just raise it a little bit. Also, we have these you know, this, these expressions of anguish. Like, oh, God, yeah. Wow. Like, we can smile during worship, right? It's not going to be the end of the world if we smile. And I know there's probably dozens of pictures of, online of me worshiping God on stage and this anguished face. I try not to always do that. It just just happens. But we can smile during worship, right? We lift our hands. If we're starting to feel real spiritual, we might, one hand, might just creep up a little bit, right? Might be pointing to the North Star or, or uh, doing a one-hand salute. And then if we're really feeling it, Maybe if we're feeling crazy. Two hand two high fives, maybe a touchdown, maybe even a YMCA. I don't know. Something like that. these are different motions we do, right? And it's stuff that we've seen modeled before us. I remember my older brother growing up in youth group. I, you know, you look up to your brothers and stuff. I remember when he was really in worship, when he's really invested, he would actually go down to this posture. I always thought that was cool. It looked kind of stiff, hurt my knees after a while, but I tried to follow after my brother and what he was doing. Worship. We all all worship in different ways. One way is not better than another, but don't be afraid to worship God lavishly. Pour it out on him. After verse 3, Mark says this. Mark talks about a question. Let's read verse 4 again. It says, There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that. Now it's funny because Mark in his gospel he seems to want to keep the names under wraps. He wants to keep everything private. But if you go over to John's gospel, John don't care. John John's telling everything. John is name dropping, okay? Which is ironic because in his gospel he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know right? He's he's like, "Yes, this is me, hint hint wink wink, you know, this is me the disciple whom Jesus loved." But in John, he says it all. He's like, "Yeah, the girl was Mary, And the disciple who asked this question was Judas, Judas Iscariot. Not someone we want to model after, right? Judas asked the the man that would betray Jesus, hand him over to be crucified. He says, why was the ointment wasted? Third point this morning, pouring out is never a waste. It's never a waste. It's never a waste to pour out what costs you. It's never a waste to pour out lavishly on Jesus. Time with Jesus is never wasted time. You can have a massive pile of things to do on your to-do list each day, but time with God, it is never a waste of time. You can never be too busy for God. I read a book a while ago that says, I'm too busy not to pray. I've got too many things going on in my life not to worship God. There are so many times where we can just want to get right into our day and get our things going, but I found that when I have a big list to do and I spend time first worshiping God, giving Him time, He makes my day more effective, more productive, more efficient than I could ever do on my own. We can waste time on a lot of things in our life, right? We can waste time on, on Netflix and Instagram or trying to how to assemble IKEA furniture, but you can never waste time. You can never waste time on God. And there are people that struggle with worship. You know, they say, I, I just don't understand. Like, I know we need to hear the word of God together and preach it and get into a message, but I don't see the point of worship. They say, I don't get worship. And in my flesh, I want to respond with, well, I don't get you, but I don't do that. I try not to say that. It's never a waste of time. I I want to tell them, how how can you not get it? How can you think it's a waste of time to show gratitude to Jesus who came down to earth for you, lived a sinless life, died a gruesome death so that you can be saved? We, We owe our lives to Jesus. And I've talked to some that struggle also with the misconception that worship is girly or feminine. Yeah, the girls do that. I just, I'm a man, you know, I don't sing, I don't lift my hands in worship. You know, the woman Mary, she came before Jesus crying and it it feels emotional. But remember last week we talked about worship in a battle, a literal battle. I don't think there's anything more manly than fighting another man, right? And yet worship was what went forth. And was what caused the victory in the battle. Worship is not masculine or feminine. It is a human response to the goodness of God. Clap if you believe that. Worship is a human response to the goodness of our God. Again, we can worship all different ways, but worship is simply responding to God in unity as a body of believers. And honestly, for me, I would take worship over a message any day. Because worship is so much more engaging than a message. We can't all preach a message at the same time, but we can all worship God in unity at the same time. In fact, Bill Johnson, he's a pastor out in in Redding, California, Bethel Church. He's been a preaching pastor there for many years. I I really look up to his teachings. He said, if I only had 10 minutes in a day, only 10 minutes in a day, I would spend nine minutes of it in worship and one minute in prayer. I thought that was so interesting. This guy, he's not a worship pastor. He doesn't write songs. He doesn't do any of that stuff. He says, I would worship God for nine of those those 10 minutes and then pray to conclude that. Worship is never a waste of time. Worship teams, you could come join me as we get ready to close here. It's funny. My dad, I look up to him. He's been a pastor for many years. He's told me a lot of Words of wisdom over the year, but that's one thing when I say, I don't have time for this. I'm trying to figure out my time for this. He would say, time with God is it's never a waste of time, Matt. You can do a lot of things in your day, but wasting time with God, that's, that's not a waste. And as we close, let's, let's read the end of this passage. Remember, Judas, he said, why was this ointment wasted? It could have been sold, the money given to the poor. But look at what Jesus said. Verse six, I wasn't there. I don't know the tone that Jesus made, but this is, this is how it read to me when I said it. J- Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. You know, your worship to God, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to God. He doesn't care if you're tone deaf. He loves your voice. He doesn't care what you look like. He, you can dance before the Lord and not know how to dance, but he would still call it beautiful and pleasing in his eyes. Would you stand with me as we close? Just like last week, I wanted to just take some time here at the end of these services. It would be It'd be wrong for me to talk about worship and then say, okay, great, see you guys later. We're gonna take some time to practice and worship for a few minutes before we conclude. And I ask you, would you join me in worshiping God and pouring out an offering of worship this morning? You can come to the front, you can stay at your seats, you can kneel, you can bow, you can lift your hands, whatever it is, but would you dedicate your thoughts and your energy to God this morning? Let's worship Him, let's pour out an offering this morning. Come on, church.